to worship on this Sunday after Pentecost, it is going to be a different day. Brian got the day off from handing out bulletins, but we're going to keep him busy anyway. The service will be quite a bit less structured than we're used to, and we're going to be soliciting requests for hymns and songs to play. We have a few ideas, and I wanted to talk a minute about how this came to be. It actually came from you, in a way, because there were people requesting songs that they haven't heard for a while, and Lily kindly played them in parts of postlude. And we thought, well, maybe we can grow that somehow. And one thing, as often happens, led to another. And here we are with a service of story and song. And Bobby Goldenberg will be sharing a story as part of the sermon today. Uh, we are delighted for that. And I'll tell you a little bit about the theme of the day, that there are parable after parable after parable we're going to hear in the gospel. And just a bit about what these parables are designed to do. To tip our thinking upside down from thinking it's somehow our job to construct a ladder up which we climb to get God to notice us. When in reality, God noticed the whole time and it's just us waking up to God's loving presence that's here already in our midst. I think there's one other thing I want to be sure that I lift up besides uh, thanks, and then I thought of three others as I said that. Um, one of them certainly is to thank you for all the work that's gone into a service like this. Because it's different, it takes more actually to get it figured out. And um, there are some people who provided treats for us today. Some of them are a bit more health conscious. Some are a little less health conscious, but it'll be there. So thanks for all who have put that together and we will get together after service. I was thinking the Kottmeyer room just because it's often cooler in there. So maybe that'll be a good place for us to gather after we've worshiped today. There was something else I was going to talk about, and it's just... So, maybe that is a heavenly hint that we need to get started. I know. For the first hymn, we'll be using the hymnal, number 677. And for the second one, with the nod to Carol McLeod, and thank you, we'll be learning a semi-new one, and hopefully you picked up one of these. On your way in from Brian... Sunday typically is a commemoration or remembrance of composers, including Bach, Handel, and Heinrich Schutz, who all have music that is beloved in lots of different circles, including in church circles. So there's a bit of a nod to those three composers today as well. And this morning, my one of my absolute favorite Prelude of Hughes, I, I shared with you this morning, um, I played the Bach C major. Um, so yes. that's all the filler music will be Bach and Oshos. 
Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. So Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? And they answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. The Gospel of our Lord. So people were used to kings occupying empires. And so when they would think in royal terms, they would think about chariots and war horses, armies and weapons and pageantry. And so when Jesus begins to describe the rule and realm of God in the world, he talks about fish, pearls, fields, treasure, bread, mustard. That all by itself must have been very subversive. So a little bit of a quiz. How many of you grow mustard? Have you seen it? Has anybody ever seen an actual mustard tree? This is what I want to know. Probably not. I think Jesus kind of got carried away and exaggerated a little bit. But for good reason, I think. That whole image of birds nesting in a tree was borrowed from the prophets because they envisioned a time of mercy and justice and trees that grew in which the birds could perch and live and be sustained. So we'll forgive Jesus for stretching it just a bit with mustard. But the thing to know is that in all of these parables, they sneak up on us, and it's something that ends up getting planted in us instead of something we have to go find. That's enough of my talk. Bobby, thank you again for sharing a story about
kind of how mustard seeds work in real life. Pastor Bart, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, said to me, for this special Sunday service we're going to have, how about you, you tell a story? I said, sure. And then last week, he said to me, I'm going to make a few words of introduction, and then I'll turn it over to you for the sermon. Oh, okay. Back to the drawing board. And then... When I looked at the scriptures, there was the mustard seed. And the parables this morning reminded me of my confirmation a very long time ago. And the story of the mustard seed was that in our family, it was a tradition that when a young woman was confirmed in the church, she was given a necklace, a silver chain with a supposedly crystal ball containing a mustard seed. There was always a mention in the sermon of how our decisions must be faith-based so that we can grow into a mighty tree just like the mustard seed. I sometimes thought that the mustard seed had it pretty easy. All it had to do was grow. No decisions to be made. And there are always decisions to be made. And then there are the questions. Was it the right decision? What happens if it isn't the right decision? And even what happens if it is? I learned many years ago, never place a period where God has put a comma. The early part of my professional life was as an English teacher. Sometimes time makes the decision for you. When I was seven years old, I wanted to play second base for the New York Yankees. My dad told me I was going to have a hard time because it's very difficult for a left-handed second baseman to field a grounder, plant that right foot, and pivot for the throw to first base. So I became a first baseman and a pitcher. And I spent 30 years playing competitively in a sport that I dearly loved. I never got to play for the Yankees. And my baseball loyalty also changed in the process. Time. My dad never told me I couldn't because I was a girl. And that's how my journey began. Never put a period where God has placed a comma. One of my early decisions I made without even realizing I was making a decision. I grew up on a farm way out in the country and all the kids in the surrounding neighborhood seemed to go to a different church. There were 12 families in our little Lutheran church and all the other kids were Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, Pentecostal, Advent, And we didn't go away to summer camp. We spent summers, besides working on the farms, going to Bible school from one church to another. And I learned, quite by accident, that Lutheran 
was really the place that I was supposed to be. Time. The time I was 16, I had to make a decision about what I was going to do with my life. I could go to secretarial school, or I could go into nurses training, or I could go to university. I decided to go to university and become an educator because I thought typing was fairly boring. I couldn't stand the sight of blood, but I did love books and learning and even homework. That was one of the most important decisions that I ever made. Never put a period where God has placed a comma. And my life has been sprinkled with commas and reminders of that mustard seed. That's the only way that a woman from the mountains of North Carolina could wind up on the banks of the Welland Canal. The decision to come to Canada was the most important decision of my life and the lives of my children, and I think probably for Alan. The outcome was much more positive than I had hoped. A different education system, grade 13, remember those days? Certainly prepared our kids for university education. A broader cultural landscape. The children grew up with a small United Nations of friends and a great-grandmother who often spoke to them in Yiddish. Open opportunities for a more challenging career path and health care and holidays. Not only Christmas, but also Hanukkah. Two Thanksgivings, and we still celebrate two Thanksgivings and snow, lots of it, and learning that in spite of it, the schools were still open, and people actually still went to work. There were times when I questioned that decision, because life is more like a runaway mine train than a hang glider, and decisions on life's changing directions must be made in good faith and hope that once again God has dropped a comma into my plan and set us yet again on another adventurous path. Decisions, decisions, tests of faith, challenges for growth. From an elementary school librarian to a university professor a vice president of one of the largest community colleges in Canada, then into not-for-profit work, another comma, building houses across the country with Habitat for Humanity Canada, moving into domestic violence work, and then to addictions and mental health, a handful of commas, new directions, and all for good reasons, and all with that sprinkling of faith sometimes a leap. The mustard seed, a little bit of faith, striving to, go, to grow into that tree. A struggle sometimes to deal with fear, the fear of failing, the fear of not being accepted, the fear of not affecting change. It's like being between two trapezes or Linus 
when his blanket is in the dryer. There's nothing to hold on to. And so we hold on to faith and courage and tenacity. And we sprinkle our lives with commas. I suppose in this day and age, we should sprinkle our lives with hashtags. The things we believe in, the values we hold to, the causes we stand for, all are being questioned every day. God, in his wisdom, takes care of the mustard seed and the birds that sit in the tree. We can only pray that he does the same for us. Amen.